Your Way to Freedom is a podcast for language teachers who dream about a freelance career but have no courage to dive in this wonderful world of opportunities and choices. Hello everyone, you're going to listen to episode number five of Your Way to Freedom podcast. We are here and I'm glad to be back to blogging and podcasting again after a two-week break. For this episode, I invited someone who is going to break the myth that freelancing means no stability and no steady income. Alina Plotnikova. Alina joined me to tell us about her criteria of choosing students and shared her tips of dealing with cancelled classes. So pull up your chair, make sure you're comfortable and be ready to get encouraged by her story. Okay. Hello, Alina. How are you? Oh, hi, Vera. I'm okay. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for joining. So can you say a couple of words about yourself and introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, sure. So uh, I've been working as a freelance uh, English teacher for about three and a half years. And uh, that's not what I always did. Uh, Before that, I worked uh, in different companies for nine years, uh, like local and international. And I also have a, a training as a translator. So uh, the the moment came when I decided that teaching English to adults is going to be my occupation for some time. Uh-huh. Okay. So why have you chosen to become self-employed and not to work for a school? Well, uh Actually, I started working for an online school, but I cannot say that they were the best employers and actually they didn't give me a decent contract uh, that would be valid according to the Russian law. And uh, uh, that's why I quite quickly understand that that wasn't a way for me because I was underpaid, overloaded, and I didn't have any influence on what kind of client I was going to be working with. And I had to do so many things that uh, I presume teachers shouldn't do in a school, like reminding our students about their payments, um, dealing with the cancellation policy, because each student kind of had a personal manager. So um, that seemed strange to me. So I, and, uh, I realized that working as a freelancer will give me everything that I want. Uh-huh. So you had to manage different things as if you were already freelancing and being self-employed. That's interesting. So um they didn't get they they didn't pay you much. Um you know like one of the fears that beginning freelancers have is to never earn that much as they earn being employed. So Uh, How long did it take you to start making enough, making more than at school? Well, for making more than at school, that the next year I was making twice more. Currently, I'm making three times more. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So um, you also mentioned that a problem was that you didn't know what clients you were going to work with. And I know that you choose your clients. So what are your criteria? How do you choose who you want to work with? 
Well, so first of all, uh, I work with uh, adults who are um, older than 25 years old. Well, I had experience with working younger category of clients, but I decided that uh, groups starting from 25 years old uh, are my target audience. And um, well, for me, it's very important that a, a student has certain goals, uh, which I help uh, him or her achieve. So it's uh, about increasing their language level uh, immensely. So at least like one uh, level according to C of R, better two or three levels. So they are motivated for long-term work, for actually bringing some change, some real change to their and yes, and who are ready to change because uh, the way I work with people, it brings change to their life. And uh, many things sometimes have to change and uh, they should be wanting for this change to happen. Because uh, I realized that some people want just uh, to communicate in English. They don't want to really change their life immensely. And um, for them, another uh, type of training is preferable. It's not even training, maybe it's Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Yes, I can. Uh huh. Uh, and how do you get this information from them? Do you send them a questionnaire or do you have a personal meeting before you start classes? Well, I have all of that. So first of all, I... Um, I write uh, what I uh, the description of my services. It's a presentation. It's about like ten slides, so they can initially get the information for what I offer, what is possible, who I work with, who I don't work with, uh, so they can read it and uh, well decide for themselves: is this for them? Then yes, they, if they uh, think that this is for them, they complete a questionnaire and they complete a language test and then we have a one-on-one -on -one meeting on, online to discuss mm -hmm. and to make sure that uh, this is what they want and that I can help you them with that. Sounds like a job interview, you know. <laughs> Several... Um, <laughs> Well, for me, it's not a job interview. For me, it's like an educational institution chooses students because mm -hmm. uh, I, I, the respected educational institutions, they have a multi-step, uh, well, uh, process for students because it's better for students understand what they are subscribing to, yeah, what they are agreeing to before they actually sign the contract. Mm hmm. Okay. So, uh, you. So, if you choose your students so carefully, it means that usually you have students who take a lot of classes with you, like long-term students. Yeah, more than a year. So, two, three years. That's my um, well. That's my happy student because sometimes students uh, fully realize what is going on only when starting the program. And it's okay if student decides that they don't want to continue. And uh, mm -hmm. I am myself will be the first person to suggest them uh, thinking about uh, their motivation once again, thinking about was this problem meeting, oh, I'm sorry, was this program meeting their expectations? And if not, we are just uh, friendly terminate, we just friendly terminate our contract. 
Mm -hmm. So do you prepare a kind of program in advance before you start teaching them like for a month or some weeks or for some period of time? Uh, actually, I don't. And it's maybe better for me not to call the thing a program, maybe to call it a system of working with people. Yeah, so I haven't made that change yet in my mind, because I do not write syllabus. Uh, I have mm -hmm. syllabuses uh, that are offered to us by international publishing houses like Oxford University Press, Cambridge University Press. Those syllabuses are all available. So I keep that syllabus in mind but I do not teach the textbook, I teach the students. And I mm -hmm. uh, carefully monitor what they need. So it goes from class to class. So from the first meeting, I have a certain picture. And then for the couple of meetings, I know what we are going to do with them. And then it just continues lesson after lesson. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a quote to teach the student, not the textbook. <laughs> <laughs> Probably it's not mine saying, maybe there's someone else great, uh, some other great person in ELT world said that and I just accepted it as my truth. <laughs> well, okay, I have never heard about it. I mean, I have never heard someone saying, so for me, you are the first who say that. So um, statistically, about 25% of one-to-one -one classes get cancelled, and this is the fact, no matter how responsible and motivated students are, because sometimes they have really serious reasons, not just excuses. How mm -hmm, do you deal mm -hmm, with classes? Is it about uh, some signing a an agreement, a contract? Do you offer your students this way, or how do you solve this issue? Well, so uh, actually, um, I solve it. Yes, I signed a contract and the cancellation policy is written there. So everyone remembers what it is because no uh, agreement on paper is not going to work unless a teacher is ready to enforce it. And unless the student has agreed to it and unless the student really believes that it is fair for him or affordable or manageable, whatever. That's why I uh, discuss uh, this consolation policy in advance. Um, so I'm sure that students are ready for it. It's not always work because sometimes people are overestimating themselves. So I have to enforce it. Yes. So uh, my current scheme. Uh, so I um, sign a year-long contract well almost a year it's a little bit less than a year or if it's from january to december actually and mm -hmm. uh, um there is a number of classes i can offer and uh, there is a number of classes student can say that i can provide for example like 80 classes under this contract during the period of uh, 15th of uh, january till 15th of november if you have to reschedule we can reschedule those classes starting from november till the end of december for example but no more so if you skip okay. more classes you just pay for it so student mm -hmm. has a certain freedom and of course we have planned breaks uh, so students know that they will have about um, three, three and a half weeks of breaks 
and they know in advance when this is going to happen, so they also can adjust their plans for that. Well, usually, if a student uh, really wants what I can offer to them, this consolation policy works perfectly. Mm -hmm. And what if they have some emergencies, like, you know, we may get sick if they are 25 years and older, then uh, they might have kids who can get sick or there can be an urgent work trip or something like this. How does it work in this situation? Well, usually the number of consolation I provide that we can reschedule covers that perfectly. Because uh, I think that nobody's life is that hectic. And if somebody's life is that hectic, that maybe it's not the time for a quite a dynamic English program for their life right now. Maybe they have to solve their problems first. Mm -hmm. Okay, I see. That's good. So signing a year-long contract kind of guarantees you some stability. There is an opinion, you know, that working nine to five means having some kind of stability in your life and a steady income. So can you say that it's possible to have a steady income when being a freelancer and maybe you have some other tips for it? Well, yes, first of all, I'd like to address the uh, illusion that working nine to five give you any stability because um, it's all businesses. It's all businesses and every business, it's a risk. And I've been working for many companies where you were either working in an unstable situation, uh, considering uh, emotional state of things, you were always uh, under such a constant stress, you had to adapt to a changing environment or to adapt to the requirements of changing management because management changes and you have to work differently under each new manager. Or either the company was struggling and they, for example, could, um, could not pay you the salary, as simple as that. Mm -hmm. So it's an illusion that currently, in a, well, being employed, you've got really a lot of guarantees and I know that company can fire a person just in one day uh, notwithstanding any laws in the country so of course you can sue them but do you have uh, the resources for that to sue a company well not everyone does and uh, yeah. when you yeah <laughs> when you are a freelancer well uh, yes I think a person needs to understand that there is more responsibility than a person has uh, been employed because you are responsible directly to the client, not your school rules, not your school management. There is no third person between you and a student and a client, and you have to deliver. Yeah. And, uh, and the freelancer is responsible for uh, organizing his work, for uh, understanding who uh, his or her clients are, and uh, being able to consistently. Um, have access to that kind of target audience to provide new clients if the current one decides to well uh, to stop their classes or maybe just finishes uh, their course mm -hmm. i see so um how long did it take you from the very beginning to have your schedule full well um it's hard to say because I had to uh, find my own students when I was working uh, for the online school because, uh, as I said, the salary didn't meet my expectations because it actually wasn't a salary. Well, okay, it doesn't matter. Uh, so after that, well, my schedule was always full and some, there was a situation 
uh, during the pandemics and when at a certain point half of my students not at once but like in the period within a period of one and a half month half of my students had to uh, cancel their classes and they couldn't tell me when they were going to come back so um, I found new students within a month and my schedule was full again Mm-hmm. Is it enough just to be a good teacher to get your schedule full or there are some other tips? Well, I think, of course, there are some other tips. Freelancer can uh, never perform just one job because he's, uh, uh, bef- he or she is performing many functions uh, like promoting him or her, uh, being, well, uh, finding maybe some other specialist to delegate some part of work like a accountant or a lawyer. And uh, a freelancer has to be a director of his or her own business. So there are many roles and it's not enough to be just a good teacher because, well, mm-hmm. Sometimes clients will tell their friends about you. Sometimes it won't work because maybe all their friends know English very well. Like in my case, uh, many people come to me because they are the last person who doesn't know English well in their community. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So a word of mouth that works for so many people is not for you. It's, it's 50% for me because yes, uh, 50% word of mouth, 50% Instagram. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So um, thanks a lot for sharing your tips and your stories. As the podcast is for, um, it's meant for people who are not freelancers yet, or who are just becoming, who are just beginning their freelance journey. Can you please give three main tips for teachers who want to become self-employed, but don't have the courage to quit their work? Well, I'll try. So I think that the first and foremost in any enterprise is understanding your what and your why. Like, what do you really want from this format of work? And not just what you are going to escape from, but what are you are running to? Yeah. And why it's important to you? Because, well, I'm not going to be lying. Yeah, sorry. Uh-huh. No, no, I just wanted to say that when you're changing the country, uh, it's either you want to go and live in another country or you just want to um, escape from your country, hoping for a better life in another country, which probably may never happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are no guarantees. There's mm-hmm. one thing that there are no guarantees and a person needs to be strong and ready to troubleshoot. And that's why uh, a person, well, why and what will help you in those times. Uh, the the okay. second thing, I, I would recommend everyone who becomes a freelancer to be kind to themselves. Because uh, I think that it's very um, uh, true for the post-Soviet uh, territories. I'm not sure about the other countries, but for the post-Soviet territories, uh, well, people are not used to being kind to themselves. And they. Uh, this is from Elena Mutanona's book, uh, uh, Flowers in the Frost, that people uh, tend to consider them, well, to treat themselves as their previous managers treated themselves uh, mm-hmm. in their previous job, underpaid, overloaded, etc., etc. So they keep that inner boss in their head and treat themselves as badly as at the previous job. So please be kind to yourself. And mm-hmm. the last th- yeah, <laughs> and the last tip is like, uh, really know who your clients are and what you are going to deliver. 
this might take some time to figure it out, to test some hypotheses, but that's the key to, to keeping your schedule full, I believe. What do you think, Vera? Yeah, I agree. I completely agree, especially to being kind to yourself and probably niching because um, as a beginner, as a freelance beginner, you tend to say yes to everyone. And maybe uh, for the first couple of months, it's kind of okay because if you have no money, if you haven't saved a financial cushion, mm -hmm. maybe yes you have to say yes to anyone. I experienced it. But later, you need to start analyzing who you like working with. Maybe you just don't know who you like to work yeah. with in general. And then when you have like seven or eight students, and then you understand that four of them you like the most, you'd better probably analyze why you like them and what's nice about them, what's nice about teaching them, yeah, and then try and find similar clients. Mm -hmm. I agree. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, and I think you are doing that perfectly because you, you are also you have such a nice uh, career and long career of being a successful freelancer, not only freelancer but a business owner. Yeah, uh, so. kind of. <laughs> well, I mean, that is your choice to, I think every person also maybe needs to think whether they want to grow too much <laughs> because business, it's another level of responsibility and uh, another kind of occupation actually become more a director than a teacher. <laughs> yeah, I had an online school, but it was too difficult for me, especially like, you know, when you actually provide teachers with clients and they see that they don't have to put any effort into mm -hmm. finding their clients and their teaching quality becomes so poor and then clients complain and you your reputation goes down so I just quit it after five years and I decided that I would better just help teachers become successful freelancers rather than employing them and trying to help them just with finding students for them. And I'm, I think that you're doing such a great job for teachers because uh, that's amazing that uh, a person can become a freelancer. For me, it was such a game changer. My life became so much better in many ways. Yay, that's the most important thing. Okay, so I'll tell people they have to listen this episode up to the very end. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, good. Thank you very much for joining and for answering my questions and for sharing your experience. I think I'm sure that it's going to be very useful for beginner freelancers. And yeah, great. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your weekend. And thanks for Thank coming. Thank you, Vera. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Having your life completely changed after becoming a freelance teacher sounds great, doesn't it? I'm sure Alina's story will inspire you not to postpone changing your life for the better any longer and start taking the first steps to your freelance career now. And in order to make it happen even quicker, there is a little task from me. Think about your current schedule. 
Do you have some free spots for getting students besides school? Can you change your schedule to have some free spots in case there is someone willing to take classes with you? Go open Google Calendar or any other calendar you're using and plan your week to see how available you are at the moment for your future dream job. Thanks for your time. Enjoy the task.